I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Everything is Better with Creators is proud to be part of the Adweek Podcast Network and the Acast Creator Network. What is the creator economy and why should you care? Well, if you're a marketer, you better care, especially if you want to reach younger audiences. Come on, we know people aren't really watching traditional media like they used to. God knows they hate traditional ads. So what should a marketer do? Well, listen to the experts, of course. So today, we're talking to the experts. We've gathered one hell of a roundtable discussion with the queens of the algorithm, creators Coco Moco, Yes Jules, and Weller's very own VP of Creative Strategy, Lizzie Bilisano. For those who don't know, TikTok forecast superstar Coco Moco is the trend predictor for creators and brands strategizing their next viral TikTok video. She's an internet historian and curator with over a million followers, and her videos are a masterclass on contemporary media studies and theories on pop culture. Next, we have creator superstar Yes Jules. Jules is a jack of all trades. She's a mom, a creator, a media personality, a lifestyle guru, and an entrepreneur. Since 2014, Jules has been creating content about her jet-setting lifestyle, and today she has started her own company, 1AM Creative, a female-founded and operated entertainment company and creative marketing agency, digital radio station and management company. To round out this Queens of the Algorithm roundtable, we're speaking to Whaler's own VP of Creative Strategy, Lizzie Bilisano. Lizzie leads our U.S. creative strategy team to create compelling and innovative solutions for brands and creators with data and insights. She's a creative marketing Jedi, and we're excited to have her here. Welcome to this episode of Everything is Better with Creators. I'm Jamie Goodfriend, your guide to all things happening in the creator economy. Every week, myself or my colleagues, Emma Harmon or Ashley Rudder, will be hosting this podcast. So stick with us as we ask Coco Moco, Yes Jules, and Lizzie Bilisano how brands can win big in the creator economy. So get ready for some jaw-dropping aha moments from this group of badass women. DJ, drop that intro. Everything is better with creators. The podcast that takes a deep dive into all things creator economy. Produced and presented by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. With your hosts, Ashley Rudder, Emma Harmon, Jamie Goodfriend, and Marco Batosi.
Okay, we are in for a massive treat. We have a brain trust here to get today. It is, I am telling you, we're about to drop some serious knowledge, and most people would pay a friggin' fortune to hear you guys riff on what is going on in culture, social video, trends, music, fashion. We are going to get into it. So, I'm going to have you guys introduce yourselves and tell us who you are and what you normally do when we're not keeping you sitting here all day. So, Coco, who are you? Hi, yes, I am Coco Moco, um, and I kind of a double life, like Hannah Montana, so um, I'm a creator. <laughs> My main platform is TikTok, and I've mainly been blowing up doing like marketing videos, media videos, um, predictions, things like that about um, culture. And then on my nine to five job, I work at BuzzFeed. I've been working in the entertainment nine to five um, for a couple years now. So that's kind of where I've gained this muscle. And so, um, yeah, I made a TikTok. To, I started talking about it more on my TikTok. Didn't think anyone would care. I thought it'd be like a math like accountant talking about math, but people really liked it. So I'm happy. So you're the Hannah Montana of culture, trends, and <laughs> of marketing math. Media. Math and yeah. magic. I yeah. like it. Okay. Jules? <laughs> um, I, I am known as Jules or Yes Jules on my social media handles. Um, I came to be where I am from sharing my journey as like a VIP hostess in Miami at the number one nightclub in America at the time, which was Live. I was documenting that on Snapchat, which was my platform of choice. And um, from there, just became one of like the original social media influencers, uh, and have since been just really trying to scale that blessing. Uh, I, I started a consultancy and like creative agency. Uh, we don't represent talent, but more or less just serve as a connector between the talent and the brands, and just helping to conceptualize um, experiential events in real life and like digital marketing campaigns. No like outdoor media or anything. Like that but um yeah right now I'm kind of you know I'm a new mom so that's my my main priority and I'm taking a step back and just really for the first time in my career candidly speaking strategizing because for so long it was an uphill battle of like yes social media influencers are a thing like it does make sense to advertise with us this is how you should do it this is how we can collaborate and I think like we've arrived everybody understands everybody is like wanting to collaborate now from both the brand agency and audience perspective so now I'm just seeing like what's the next big move for me and um you know just trying to dif differentiate between which platforms to um you know uh adapt to because there's so many new ones every day and um you know how much work i want to do in real life versus like on the internet and so just trying to find a, a great balance with that but well, we're going to jump in on that too because i don't know that everybody has arrived at that at that really point. I, I feel I like really we're here if there's anybody who hasn't arrived yet like they're just long gone the train has <laughs> left the station well we're gonna we're gonna get into that and i think that's a that's a really good prompt and so we we have the strategy representative here lizzie from from whaler so lizzie tell us who you are <laughs> i am lizzie with a y that's very important to me villasano um, I lead the creative and social strategy team at Whaler in the U.S., and our job is to help brands, to your point, arrive and understand where we're at with creators with creative solutions that are creator-led um, to help them reach their audience on the pulse of what's happening in culture. 
Uh, so I'm really excited that we're all here because y'all are in the culture. So this is going to be a fun conversation. Well, you are too, clearly. If you can't see her, her hair and her outfit is dialed in. She's I'm got trying. it going on. She's definitely got it going on. But, I, but we had a pre-conversation and I thought it was so fascinating that you were surprised that we're doing this, that we're gathering you guys together to actually have this conversation. And you said that you think everybody's you know, here. It's like where we've arrived. I don't think they have. I think brands are still struggling with understanding how to tap into culture, how to translate it to something that looks like a marketing campaign that has ROI, and how to move as quickly as possible. And I, I'm going to pause this as an open question. It's, it's sort of like culture doctors, your culture psychiatrists. What is what is preventing brands that you guys see from moving as quickly as they need to, or what are, what are the challenges that you think brands need to address as soon as possible? I mean, I think we touched on it. I think, candidly speaking, when you have a vehicle that's as large as like any of the Procter and Gamble brands, etc., right? There's just a lot of cooks in the kitchen, and there's a lot of tape and approvals. You know, like I'll liken it to at one point I was working with Beats by Dre and I was at first an ambassador and they were still like figuring out their ambassador program. This was maybe 10 years ago. Uh, and so, you know, just trying to figure out campaigns and whatnot. And they had the, 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 the group of creators that Beats by Dre had for this first initial program. Each one of us is now like Kill, like I'm probably the least successful out of everyone. Like one of them is is the biggest photographer in the game, getting Adele, LeBron James, you name it. The next one just did a collaboration at Lely May with Barbie. So like Beats by Dre had this very thing you're trying to do, like already ten years ago, and we were in a room just riffing ideas. And the big the big issue was they loved the ideas and wanted to implement them, but they're an Apple company. So before anything could even go further, like on the ideation side of things, we had to get permission from the powers that be. And I think that that's what a lot of these brands and companies deal with is that there's so many different departments and there's so many approvals that need to be had before anything can happen. And everything's very data driven. And this is a world where there is a lot of data. There's a lot of analytics and strategy to like study, of course, but a lot of it is also so what's the word that I'm searching for? A lot of it is like a, like a feeling or just like a... Intuitive. Intuitive, yes, yeah. thank you. It's, it's a lot of intuitive work. And so it's, it's hard for, you know, when you're intuitively creating or moving um, as a culture, a community, how, as a brand wanting to take part in that, you have to c convince your colleagues and coworkers that you need to do this thing, but the numbers aren't there yet. So it's like you, you were saying, you know, how, how do we... How do we show proof of something that hasn't been done before? Right. And so we're in this like new frontier. Intuition is really hard to scale, and companies are about scale. It's like about scale and operationalizing. So that that's a tricky thing. But Coco, what's your take on it? Yeah, yeah. I think that one way that anyone can gain that muscle is, um, and I use this analogy when I'm talking to brands that want to get onto something like TikTok for the first time. It's similar to. Uh, it's like if you go to a house party, you're not going to walk into that house party and just go up to a group of people and start yelling about how amazing you are and everything about yourself. <laughs> like that would be, it wouldn't help your case at all. What brand, and this is what brands don't do, is you have to go up, if you want to have a conversation with a group of people, you have to stand there silently at first and you have to listen to what they're talking about. Because every platform has a different language, has different nuances, has different um, things that are socially acceptable. So you have to sit there quietly for a bit 
and you have to figure out what is the conversation they're having. Can I add value to the conversation? Can I say something that hasn't been said yet? Um, and so I think what brands do is they aren't like if they could just get the people that run social and they could allot them the time that they need every week to even just like be on the for you page for an hour and just what are people talking what's the conversation at that house party so to speak and how can they add value versus brands just kind of come blazing just this is why i'm awesome this is why if you did that this at is a why gathering hot. people yeah <laughs> right. if you did that at a gathering people would like look at you funny and ignore you even more so i think that's what brands uh need to do is allow themselves time to listen and that's not really in the roadmap for brands. I mean, it kind of is, but not in a, not in the way that you guys are saying, which is a little bit more raw. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more gorilla to your point. Yeah. Lizzie, you deal with this all the time with clients who are like, okay, I got the budget. I am ready to get on TikTok. Let's go. How do you give them the guardrails and start to blend sort of the, the business with it, the art of, of this, this whole new world? And... I love that you said blend, Jamie, because it really is blending, right? Because, and even in the name of what me and my team do, creative strategy, it's, it's art and science, it's right and left. And to your point, Jules, it is like a lot of data-driven, it has to be, um, in order for them to get the buy-in, to your point, uh, Coco, um, from their teams internally. But um, part of it is um, education, really, uh, like things like this, uh, being able to talk to creators and, um, letting them know that yeah a trend or an idea or something that you're jumping into might not be the language that you speak but it's the language that your community speaks and then that's what you should really care about and that's a little tough for brands because if you don't understand it right away of course it's a little scary and it is why you know we exist as a team but also why i think creators are so powerful in that they can help you um, as a brand have that conversation mm -hmm. and open the gate to the party or introduce you to these little cohorts within the party. Um, that being said, it's still tough. It's, it, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. It's still tough, but I, I think that well, it's is tough for the, creators even. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like every day there's a new platform. Like it's like, Oh, now I have to download be real. What's this? Oh, okay. It's actually what we've been wanting. It's like authentic. It's like in the moment, it's one post. We don't have to stay on it for too long, but it's another app to download. It's another mm -hmm. thing. And then we're looking at it like, okay, are the, we're all studying each other. We're studying the brands and the campaigns and, and the brands and the campaigns are studying us. It's very interesting to me like I wonder is BuzzFeed aware that they have this amazing creator on their team that's like rising like I'm sure you're even still fighting the good fight within your nine-to-five company of like imagine they I could see somebody that you work with or for like seeing you on your social media and being like what are you focused on like like focus on, and it's like I'm focus on what you guys are trying to tap into like mm -hmm. they should tap into you you know i wonder if they've had that are opportunity to do now? so <laughs> <laughs> i know right? i need to hire her but um you know and it's and and that's like i would love to see a study of how many creators wanted to create for the entity that they're that they started working for and like tried to but didn't have the opportunity to and so became entrepreneurs instead and it's like the blessing and, and the curse but right. like even girl boss town you know was also creating and like 
this, you know, she mentioned the same thing, like she just got to quit her nine to five when you were talking about yours. I'm like, oh, so long Buzzfeed. It's going to be a couple months after watching your videos this morning before like you're over it and brands are paying you for your reviews. And it was the same thing with me when I was working for Grutman and Liv. I'm like, hey, I need to go out of town to go to like the Formula One race or Paris Fashion Week. And they're like, no, we need you at this nightclub. And I'm like, what new business can I bring you here? Let me go to Paris Fashion Week and be the cool girl over there and throw a pop-up party and be like, hey, when you guys come to Miami, live is a place to go. You know, and now they're implementing that kind of thing with their VIP directors. But like 10 years ago, it was still like, you know, a difficult conversation. But that's so not in the ethos of how organizations are structured. And so, so there's, that's so not in the ethos of how organizations are structured. And so I know, like, and I've seen a lot of conversations with brands and creators, and the creators always say, here's what you need to do to be successful. Don't control us. Don't <laughs> mandate the brief. Don't, you know, tell us what to do. Okay, so that's what the creators say, and they're not wrong. But having been on the brand side and being a little bit older and being responsible. And strategy. Well, but, but, but... The idea is that I'm responsible to a CEO or a shareholder or a CFO, God forbid, and I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm rolling my eyes going, oh, for God's sake, do you know what it's like to have, you have no empathy for what it's like to be a marketer and to have these responsibilities. So the point is that everyone's coming at it from their own lived experience, but what I think is the opportunity that is acceptable and more comfortable is to think about it, kind of what Coco was saying is that there are all these worlds out there and what a brand can do, because brands need to grow. So you're gonna grow by either retaining your audience and having them buy more, or you're going to find net new audiences. And in order to do that, one of the most powerful things, powerful things you can do is to work with creators and source the ideas and the concepts and the stories directly from the communities mm -hmm. that you're trying to reach. And that is the combination, and that is the beginning of really listening. Yes, you can have data. Yes, you can have guidance. But you guys, what you're saying is like, you study this. This is a science. This is not you guys like sitting around going, woo, this is what's happening on TikTok. I mean, so let's, let's just talk about that for a second. What are you guys seeing right now on social video? It doesn't even just have to be on TikTok. Like we were talking before about the darkness. Like there's a shift in culture right now that's, very dark for obvious reasons. Let, let's like, what would you tell a brand that they should be listening to and thinking about? I'm, I, Jamie, you already know I'm obsessed with talking about the darkness and just what it means because, um, as a whole, as a whole, I think, and it's not just Gen Z or millennials. We all are human nature. Yeah, we're all obsessed with the darkness in some way, shape, or form. And ironically enough, it's because reality is so dark as it is. We find decompression in the darkness some, in some way, whether it's a true crime podcast or TikTok accounts based on true crime podcasts or TikTok accounts where they're sharing fake mysteries with each other. And even in the mainstream right now, there's um, a new show on Netflix called The Watcher that's based on a very scary true story about a family in New Jersey, and people are eating it up. And Jeffrey Dahmer is the number one yes. premiere on Netflix or number two. It's yes, and it's insane. creepy. And of course, like to a brand, you say, oh, people decompress in the darkness. Now, that is totally scary, but there's, it's not necessarily that it's dark. It's that it's real mm -hmm. and it's an honest conversation about something that we're going mm -hmm. through. And, you know, Jamie and I were talking about this, I think, for weeks on end about Apple. 
Um, even the Apple iPhone event and the Apple Watch, you know, usually it's flashy and positive, but this time it was bringing to light features like SOS, um, something to track your heart rate to tell you if you have an illness, um, car crash indication, and these are things that are very scary. And so for brands, the train of thought for us is, one, you don't, you don't have to go that deep, like let's not go full out. It's more about having the honest conversation, one, or two, think about ways in which your product or service can help them feel safer in the darkness. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I'm personally so obsessed. I don't know about y'all, but <laughs> I love going deep onto TikTok and wondering what the heck is going wrong because for some reason it's cathartic. I, I don't know what you, you're saying, Jules or Coco, but I feel like relaxed when I see dark stuff. Yeah, I think so. I actually, um, I minored in sociology and I think it helps me a lot with like marketing, but part of it is like, I think people like to see things that are slightly worse than what they're going through mm -hmm. because it makes them be like, okay, well, mine's not that bad. It's like the reality TV effect. Like, yeah. Like, okay, well, mine's not that unhealthy. Yeah. But I think too, like something, <laughs> yes, yeah, something I, um, something, Sean Crab. right? Like Bravo Con. Yeah. <laughs> But something that I also advise, and it's counterintuitive because so much of my job is um, trend forecasting and media, I actually tell brands too, I'm like, don't necessarily pay attention to the trends that much either. Like, if darkness is trending right now, but you're Kate Spade, like, that's be a non-factor to you. Yeah. yeah, like, be Kate Spade, be timeless. And so I think for some brands, like what you were saying, if they can help people feel safer, and they have, that's their company that do that but also if you're a company that focuses on escapism don't feel like you have to launch a true crime podcast to sell mm -hmm. eyeliner like just stay <laughs> true to you and I think you're right like the the brands that can help people lean into that that's what people want and then people also need their escapism as well right come at it through your own lens yeah what that means How to you contribute yeah. yeah but I think you have to know what is going on yeah. in the lives mm -hmm. of your existing audience and the people that you do want to talk to going back to your really apt point about you've got to be a good guest yeah. so you have to listen but you have to also so I always say it's three things know your audience speak their language and understand their world and being able to connect it without thinking about how am I going to sell them it's like how do I add value and how do I participate and I think that's that's part of the the shift in mentality because it's it's not necessarily an easy thing. It's not a I'm going to do this and I'm going to get this reaction. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard, especially for public companies that have shareholders and quarterly earnings reports. It's so hard to, to be able to do that. Well, even like from a you know I'm 32 years old and like I feel like I'm looking at it from both ends of the spectrum. Just even from the creators' standpoint, like. What, what did you say earlier? Know your audience. Speak, their, speak language. their language. and know their world. I am continuing to invest in knowing my audience as a creator that is like, has an audience of creators and knowing their, their language and their world, but also here at Advertising Week, wanting to know Whaler's language and Whaler's world and, and how you guys are existing and like all of the brands that you interface with. And I think we're seeing more, and you could probably agree that you're in the same space, even probably a little bit younger than I am. I mean the, the asymmetrical thinking, the cross-pollination? The cross, well, now creators are businesses as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think that like we're in a beautiful time that we've never seen before where like all of the, the brand I'm wearing is, 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 we see so many brands coming about because there's creator led brands and then like 
the larger brands that are coming from these parent companies. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we're seeing these creator-led brands come is because they're solving, um, they're they're solving an issue of like we don't have this product, so we want to make it, or we have this product, but we want to make it so that it's more authentic and genuine to us. And it's just it's really interesting to see like where this is gonna right. end up because it's all becoming one and the same. So like Virgil Abloh created. Uh, off-white for a reason, right? He wanted a brand that existed. He wanted street, he felt that streetwear was high fashion and vice versa. And so he created off-white and then Louis Vuitton hired Virgil Abloh as a creative director. So you're seeing like this moment of convergence of like it's all like, the world. It's like the Dapper Dan story. I used to be a yes. huge Dapper Dan fan back in the day. And then and Gucci was obviously a Gucci ghost story as well. You and, had like the graffiti right. artist doing the Gucci ghost. Gucci wanted to sue him, and then they collaborated. So we're at like a point where I wonder because I've I'm, I've only been here for this version of this point. But like you were saying, there's trends that happen every few years. Has this happened before? Like I'm curious. Maybe it happened in the realm of streaming, Andy huh? Oh. Andy Warhol started out in advertising, and then he ex expanded. I think. But to your point, it, it's. I think the most successful brands and the most successful people are aware of things outside of their vertical, their category, mm -hmm. and learning. I always say to people, if you're in the marketing world, you should be reading stuff about science. You should be reading psychology. You should be reading about automotive news and going to F1 comp, you know, events. It's a, it, the more aware you are of what's going on and you can find the intersectionality, and I think that's one of the things about creators as brands that's so powerful because you're a creator and you're obviously, Jules, you're obviously focused on music and fashion, but you're also a mom mm -hmm. and you're also into traveling and marketing. Mm -hmm. Coco, you are a media expert, but you're super focused and I, I love all of your content about <laughs> what's happening next and techniques on social video or what's happening with Taylor Swift yeah. or... And you're putting all this together in a way that is taking bits and pieces from different things and combining cross section. It. And that that uh, that serendipity. I'll, I'll give you an example. Do you know why um, 3M made Post-it notes? It was developed as a glue, an industrial glue, and it was considered a failure. And the guy that invented it was in his church singing in a choir, and he realized he was marking the pages in his hymnal. And he realized that the industrial glue that didn't work for the original purpose would be a great way to mark the pages. And I think you could say Post-its was pretty successful. Or Velcro was wow. developed because a guy was out hiking with his dog and he saw the burrs getting stuck in his dog's fur. Oh my God, Velcro. Now, being able to do that is magic, but you have to be open to all the different inputs. Mm -hmm. And that's what you guys are doing. You see the world in a different way and can apply it to brands. I mean, that's that's really the magic of what you guys can do. I wonder, like, are we not all, when, when somebody's going, when either a creator or a brand or an agency is looking to say, what's next, right? What's happening right now and what's next? Are we not looking at what's trending on both Netflix, Billboard, uh, like Vogue, you know, in the sporting world? Like, if you look, if you look at all of these things, you look at what's trending on Netflix, you see everything from Jeffrey Dahmer to Love is Blind. And you're like, you're like, oh wow, this is a very multi-dimensional world we're living in. Like people want to immerse themselves in the possibility of finding true love really quickly, and they also want to immerse themselves in like the true story of like a very gruesome man and his acts. You know, it's like interesting. 
it's it's I don't feel like there's ever like one trend that can cover everything that's happening like oh it's clean and and overproduced content well it's like yeah that's cool but it's also this gritty yeah. grungy vibe you know it's like the clean look and then the the wet look so I'm a brand I'm listening to you guys and I'm terrified <laughs> what where's the starting point so yeah I I think that so much of it or I think that so much of it is um, it's a numbers game. So giving yourself grace as a brand to, and doing, I would say, low lift things. Like, especially brands, they think they have to get on something like TikTok and make a Steven Spielberg film. And I work with people who, for one TikTok idea, they have like three Excel sheets. And I'm like, the user doesn't care about how many Excel sheets you have. They just want a good video, and that will bring your cost down. If you think of, instead of putting $100,000 into one video, let's break that up. Let's make 10 videos that maybe cost in nothing. You know, you just do it really easy. And um, so it's a numbers game. Um, low lift, audience doesn't care about all of the moving parts behind the scenes. And also, um, I always say a good new format had 30 failed videos to get there. And like, it's almost like looking in a crystal ball. If you could look in a crystal ball and it'd say, your 27th TikTok is a brand is gonna be the one that launches a new campaign that gets you all about Gen Z and Gen Alpha loving you, you're not gonna post one TikTok a year. It's gonna take you half of a lifetime. You post Trial one a day, yeah. yeah, you post one a day, you're gonna get there in a month. It's like failing upwards like the examples you were giving. You know, you have to uh, give yourself grace to fail and the way that you give yourself grace about the CFO coming down on your neck is low budgets, low lift, mm -hmm. and then once you see signal from that thing that costs zero dollars to make, then you can start putting money into it and leaning into that format. But knowing so a little bit numbers. of quantity to get to the quality. Yes, like, exactly. You, quantity yeah. before quality, and then you dive in. You're listening to... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Everything is better with Creators Podcast. We'll be right back. I wonder if brands do like, <clears throat> I, I work with entertainers who are pretty influential and we've come into this world where it's like, there is something to be said for planning ahead because of the cancel culture uh, that is currently so like powerful, right? You have to be careful as anybody putting out a piece of content. And so there's now this thing happening where like someone will have fan pages or, you know, like, like dedicated pages, whether it's, you know, said entertainer and then like would leak 
you'll leak stuff through your fan pages and then study and then do the the study through that and see what the response is and in the comments and in the engagement and then as the entity yourself from what the fan pages have done then go and put it out so like i wonder you know like a chick-fil-a let's say like there's some there's some brands that are so funny on twitter and i think that they're getting their jokes from their sub Mm-hmm. Yeah. their subculture like yeah. fan pages and stuff and that's a really smart way to go about it I don't know you know I know that those those pages genuinely exist for like a Kanye West or a Beyonce right so like I'm sure Beyonce's team is like she hasn't dropped any videos for her her latest album and it's genius because she's not dropped the videos and she doesn't need to because her fans are creating the videos for her right and so she can then go and see like what do my fans want to see in these music videos i she can see it herself because the sounds are being used on tiktok and instagram she could go look and see what content's being posted and then decide if she even wants to do a music video what the the strategy for said piece of content is going to be is like can brands also utilize that way i wonder oh that is oh that was i started my wheels are turning (laughs) and you just made me so excited because that is a classic example of brands learning from creators and what happens yes. natively. Because essentially what you're saying is, brand, make a spam account. Yeah, and make, post, a, make, account make a spam account and see how it goes. Yeah. They don't have to be your brand name. It could be mm-hmm. a spam name and try it out. Chick-fil-A all day. Yeah. And like, <laughs> boom, Chick-fil-A all day. All the stuff you put in your spreadsheet that you're thinking of doing, have creators spend like $20,000. It doesn't need to be crazy. And give that to four creators and have them create for three months for you. You know what I mean? And see what goes viral because you have this tool of TikTok that is a great way to survey the land because the algorithm is so like authentic and just you can't even pin it down really it's like the same video could go viral one week and then like not have any views by the same creator maybe if they post it again two weeks later or with a different song and the other thing is too and it's not even just the content is you can't explain it because it's algorithmic too it might be going viral because the algorithm or what it's serving or what it's prioritizing at that moment. So that experimentation. But you had a really interesting framework. Yeah. I, um, I, so whenever people say community, community, it's like, okay, what is that? Like that could be following. Like I have, you know, 500,000 followers as a brand, like that's my community. But the way that I teach people is I say, look at your community as a group chat, not a performance. So as the brand, you don't want to be like, um, okay guys, I have an amazing purse like, and I'm going to skydive and I'm going to show you guys how amazing this purse is and then I'm going to tap dance when I get to the bottom. Like, your audience <laughs> doesn't want that and you have to be okay with them also. like, Just saying, you know, what is one purse, even if it's our brand or something else, but what is a purse that you've had for so many years you can't get rid of it and why? We're making a purse right now. We would love for that to be that for you, but we just want to hear first what you guys have to say because so much now about using, uh, you know, everyone's a creator now, so people no longer want to watch passively. They want to be heard. I think that's why the Stitch feature is really popular on TikTok. Ask a question and allow people to answer. And again, it's a group chat. You're just the one, you know, going in the group chat via a TikTok video, via an Instagram story, asking a good question or bringing up a good theory or a good thought and allow them to tell you whether it's, um, you know, you said treat it as a group chat and not a performance. And that was brilliant. Yeah. That's always how I think people think they have to perform all the time. And I'm like, no, it's just, it's about asking questions. And, and to your point too, with like the fan pages, I think, um, 
people are more susceptible to uh, buying into a brand. Yeah, if it's posted by someone that doesn't have a horse in the race. And I think, I believe it's Duncan right now that they are now, when people get hired, they are teaching their employees, if they want to, how to post about Duncan on their socials. Love that. And so they're taking, you know, they're giving away the power, but then... And then it's a numbers game. So now instead of having to spend a bunch of money on a marketing budget, there's probably going to be mistakes. There's going to be mishaps, but that's okay. They're allowing their their teammates now that are joining Duncan are like their group chat. They're allowing them to contribute. And this leads to the concept and conversation surrounding decentralization and yes. Web3. Because yeah. for those people who it seems so far and so hard to understand, this is what it is. It's simply utilizing your community Mm -hmm. and having a way to do so uh, strategically, whether that be through Discord, an NFT, a coin system, right? It's a lot, it's involving your community in decision making, DAOs, etc. So, like first, so like the fact that we have our first ever Web three organized festival is just crazy to me. Like the like. We do for the people that don't know. Yeah, so Superfest is a project in Web3. I'm an industry uh, insider on that project, but as, essentially, it's the first time ever that I, to my knowledge, that a festival is being like the performers on the festival are being chosen by the people buying the tickets. Wow. And it's like, it is a, such a wow, why didn't we think about that a long time ago? Like the people who buy the, t- instead of booking an act for a million dollars and hoping that people buy the tickets, you sell the tickets to the festival and anyone who bought the tickets to the festival now vote on the performers. And so they're invested and not only the performers, but the flyer and the activations at the show. And like they're deciding what food they want, what drinks they, you know, and it's, this is the new, this is the new frontier. And we're going to start to, I, I wonder if we're going to see this in marketing. Hey, if Nike comes and says, hey, what's the next big commercial? You guys cried at this Serena uh, spot that we had. You loved this LeBron spot with him and his son. Um, what's next? What would you like to see from us next? And let the audience tell you what the campaign should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to call this venture consumers back it, because it's the idea of that passive versus active. And I think that uh, the web three of it all allows people to have a stake and because what people want is they want to be treated like investors mm-hmm. I'm not just a passive consumer if I'm giving you my money I'm investing in your brand and so now I want to have some kind of say in the direction and for most marketers or most product people the idea I don't know what Steve Jobs would say about that right I mean so it's not let's it's not gonna work for everything but for a festival, I just think it's an interesting, what you guys are identifying is something that I hadn't thought of, many things I hadn't thought of, but it's not just understanding what the trends are, like the darkness or the fact that, and we'll talk about like soft life or whatever, it's the process. There are, you guys are identifying new frameworks for brands to go to market. And that to me is what, like what Lizzie was saying about getting excited, I was like, oh my God, that's gold. That's really interesting. Like spend twenty thousand on a on a remix, like on a unofficial account. We well, have Lego it. has really mastered this. So they have their community, which is like a it delivers. I think it's about eighty million dollars a year in revenue. And if you're a Lego fan and you're part of the community, you can have an idea. You need to get ten thousand people within the community to support your idea. Then Lego will consider it, and if they make it, you get a percentage. And they've been what? doing that for years. Yeah. 
I and never so, knew that. Yeah, so that's like in Glossier, you know, Emily Weiss did this. So the good news is it's not new, but what you guys are adding to it is that there is a wash, rinse, repeat process here, and it can be applied to many categories beyond toys and makeup, right? And I think that's what's so damn exciting because the, the algorithms and the technology are your focus groups in an instant. Oh, my God, my brain is, is just like you, Lizzie. I'm like, oh, wait, we, we got to... We gotta tell everybody I know. this stuff. I'm, I'm so excited. I think you saw on my face. I was like, my mind is blown, and I want to write things down right now. <laughs> and I think when I'm even from the conversation about Web three and decentralization, and including people and having a stake in it, even Web 2.0. I think what we're forgetting about social media, in the name itself, is it's social, and social means it's a conversation. It's a two way street, and in the way it's evolved it isn't a two-way conversation or a group chat, to your point, Coco. It's more of, I'm talking at you and it's one direction, and that's not the way to be social on social media or have that conversation. And the hope is that Web3 will hopefully remind us of the fundamentals of what it is to connect with communities. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm just, my mind is, I'm excited. I I'm like this is great. So, this, is, this is amazing. Yeah. Okay, so we're, we, we're going to let you guys do some other fun things today, but let's do a, like a quick round robin of stuff you're seeing that's fun. It could be what's Taylor Swift's thing. I know you guys think about this all the time. So say I'm your client. Tell me a couple things that I need to know or that if I'm going to a cocktail party tonight, I'm going to say, and people are going to be like, no way. So help me look cool. Yeah, so something, <laughs> something that's I, hard, I know. Right. Something I've been really fascinated by, and I think it's kind of the new thing as well. Um, and this is a scary word, even to myself, but um, live streaming. But <laughs> it does, and I know brands, they want it to be, you know, per, and I get that. But uh, it doesn't have, I always say, live streaming is about companionship, not entertainment. Um, it's like when I put on Real Housewives, when I'm doing chores, I'm not really watching for the plot line. I just want to be in the room with someone. I just want to hear them talking. And so lighting, there's a few creators. Uh, one girl, her name's Jemima June. She was just on Jimmy Fallon. She, every Thursday through Sunday, she works at a popular bar in Nashville. She just puts her phone in the corner, and she just live streams. I don't even think she looks at the camera for on which hours. TikTok. Okay. And she has been on Jimmy Fallon for it, and... So even if it's, I know there's one uh, brand that I was on a podcast and they were talking about it where the founder, she makes lip glosses and um, she just live streams herself putting the gloss in the tubes when she's in the, she's not even talking to the camera. And people just tune in because I think they just like that companionship. So, it, and it doesn't have to be sticking a GoPro to your head and filming yourself sleeping and eating. It can be intentional. If you have an hour, <laughs> if you have an hour where you know you're in in the you know you're doing something that might be interesting or passive where um, you feel like as a brand you can show that side um, you know maybe you're testing different eyeliner tricks in with your new eyeliner just you know live stream for an hour and uh, I think people again it's that companionship and it gives people community and um, I went live recently and I didn't realize how many people would start calling in. And I really underestimated my audience. I thought it's going to be trolls. Um, and we're talking about the Try Guy situation. And people just started calling in, and I thought, okay, calling I'm in on decline, TikTok? decline. Yeah, so people can call in, and then they show up on the corner. Um, and celebrities are now doing lives with people like um, It's Psychonic. Um, Madonna was on it. But anyway, so I had people calling in. I was going, decline, decline. I go, people are just trolling. Finally, I said, I'm going to accept. 
and the live ended up getting almost 60,000 viewers in like 45 minutes because I just let people every five minutes, I would answer the phone for someone new, their thing would pop up, they didn't even have to show their face. I mean, I had a lawyer calling in talking about the employment parts behind the Try Guy situation. I had an astrologer call in talking about their charts. Like, it was, I really underestimated up. my audience. Yeah, and if they're following you, you know, and these Gen Z, these Gen Alpha kids, they're smart. They grew up on social media. They know more things than I do, and I get paid to be on it. So don't underestimate your audience, and think about your content now in terms of companionship in a group chat versus performing and out-entertaining everyone else. Oh, my God. That's yeah. so good. The, companionship. Oh. I just had a huge epiphany about my entire career. <laughs> my audience literally exists because I was letting them be a fly on the wall as I was becoming a social media influencer and building my business as an event production and creative consultancy agency. And then I got clients, which were brands, who were, so then I had like money coming from like the, the mouth itself, right? And so I, the whole reason why I was documenting my journey was to get the brands to pay me to be a part of my journey. Mm -hmm. So once I got the brands to pay me, I stopped documenting my journey as much because I was so busy like hiring people and running an actual team and business. And then my audience plateaued, like my numbers plateaued. And I still have like the core of those people who have been here, you know, walk, like rooting and watching as I was like building my business. But I always wondered also, cause like I don't play the game of politics. Like I have friends with millions of followers. Like I can make sure that I tag Chantel Jeffries every time we have coffee, but that's not my MO. Like I'm, she's my actual friend. I don't care. And like, I'm not chasing that. Right. But I'm like, why did my numbers like stop growing? And it's because I stopped doing the thing that was it from the beginning, which was just being, allowing people into the room with me. And like, now I'm trying to go back to that place. I'm like, oh, Snapchat's now paying creators. I'm a part of this program. Like I need to start Snapchatting and I'm trying to find the balance of running my business and documenting me running my business. And it's like, maybe I just need to go back to documenting my days mm -hmm. and allowing myself to create the content and then brands will fit in where they get in. And I need to stop like creating the whole campaign for the brand and just be me and create. And then it'll go back to like blowing up like it used to because I love that's this crazy. collaboration. And, and that I, is so amazing about the creator economy. It's about collaboration, not competition. Yeah, this is also like business therapy. Yeah, I just had like I'm literally when we're done with this, I'm gonna say to Tommy who's in the corner, like we're forget all the meetings, forget the panels. Let's just make TikToks all day. Let's go live on TikTok from advertising. We can be like, hey, I'm a creator. I'm here. I'm trying to connect with brands of people, but there's so many lines I can't. So yeah. I'm just gonna stand here and see what friends I make and see if that goes viral. Like, yeah. you know what's funny, Jules? And I think Coco, you posted a video about this on your TikTok. Again, we're obsessed with both of you. Is that we're seeing more of follow me on a day in the life of, as a private chef or follow me mm -hmm. in the day of a life at, in my life as a bartender mm -hmm. or working on a golf course because it's real and it's what they're actually it's doing. It's relatable. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, and yes, it's real. They feel like it's their next door neighbor, mm -hmm. but it also does feel like it's companionship. Like to your point about just like going live, it goes back to like mukbangs where yeah. people don't want to eat alone. Yeah. And it's fascinating because at the end of the day, I think the fundamental thing here is collaboration and just being authentic. Yeah. And I know it's at this point like a buzzword that we're like tired of, but mm -hmm. I think thinking about what authenticity means to you is so important and owning it, even if it isn't what's out there. But isn't it intimacy versus authenticity? Mm, I yes. think authenticity, I hear it all the time. And I used to say it was accountability, but after listening to you 
brilliant women, I'm thinking it's intimacy, and intimacy is scary. Because that's your real self and you could really get rejected. That's probably a little TMI, but it's it's a really interesting thing. And, I, and I'm thinking about this summer of clients. What if a CMO actually had content that talked, that showed them not giving away corporate secrets, but like, oh my God, how do we make this decision? Day in the life of the CMO. I mean, I think people would really dig that. A hundred percent. And it's so funny because... We've been talking about how people are being intentionally cringe or intentionally like TMI on the internet. And I think places like TikTok or things like sound trends, like that Nicki Minaj trend where it was like, one thing about yeah. me is, and they tell a very embarrassing story or something that you wouldn't normally share with people, it does make it easier if you do lead into it, if you use what's happening on the platform, like sounds, like transitions, like stitching, like community, like live streaming, dialing in and talking about it. Um, so it is scary and it is intimacy and authenticity, but there are ways to make it more comfortable that are native to those communities and those platforms. Um, yeah, I love that. What, okay, so what else? I, we need the cocktail party. Yeah, I, and I, I think too, um, authenticity, like no one wakes up, or I, I think that when it becomes odd is like someone who's actually being authentic doesn't say, I'm gonna be authentic. Authenticity <laughs> is often spontaneous you often don't realize you're going into a moment. It's just something that happens. Um, and so when people, you can't premeditate authenticity. Mm-hmm. It's just allowing yourself the grace that as a brand, you might make mistakes. You know, probably 30 videos are gonna fail before you get a good one, but you gotta optimize or, you know, let the creators do the failing and then get you to that point. But like authenticity is spontaneous. You can't manufacture authenticity. And the people on these apps, even people that are older, like my parents' age that have now been on social media, people can sense it from a mile away when it was premeditated authenticity. And I love what you said about intimacy. You don't have to give away you know, your whole hand to be intimate to someone, to be close to them, to share a moment with them um, online. And you can do that by you know, showing a part of your process that maybe people don't always see. And also, when you're filming yourself doing something that you would have been doing regardless if you had a camera there or yeah. not, like that's what people enjoy. It takes the pressure off the audience to be like, okay, um, so I want to go viral, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna like learn how to do this, and and that puts pressure on the audience because now they're responsible for your success. But if you say, you know, I work as a barista, I was gonna be here anyways, I was gonna, you know, make this drink anyways, so I'm just gonna show you guys the process. Or if you're in marketing. You know, I have to go in and look at the new pairs of jeans today anyways, so I'm just bringing my camera, versus being like, okay, I've set aside this day because I need to go viral, and, and it, it, the audience can sense that stress and pressure. Mm-hmm. They just want to be there because you were going to do it anyways, and they just happen to be there. Yeah. In the room. One yeah. thing... So don't cancel going to advertising. We can still go after <laughs> no, this, but just go live. Yeah. <laughs> well, you would have Just be there. yourself <laughs> when you're there. there. Yeah. yeah. Like, whatever think, you would have done anyways yeah, yeah, today, yeah. Yeah. and you just happen to film it. It's funny, because something that... Um, back to your question about what we've been seeing, something that I think is so funny, uh, but also makes sense, considering what we're seeing and how people are dressing, is we've been telling clients about, hey, you know there's a trend of ugly fashion. And they're like, that is an oxymoron. How is it fashionable but ugly at the same time? Um, but there is an entire group of people who are leaning into like Crocs or leaning into things that are intentionally mismatched. And that in and of itself makes it cool or makes it mainstream. So 
I think it's interesting because when you say that, of course, it's like a jarring feeling of like, ugly fashion is fashionable, ugly fashion is cool. Um, and I love bringing it up because it just proves it's like, oh wait, there's another conversation happening within a whole other subset of communities, whether it's like people who are into like gorp core or people who are into like dad core kind of outfits. Those are the things that I think opens up a whole new world, not to quote, you know, Disney, but <laughs> for marketers. So ugly yes. fashion, I don't know that I could lean into it. Again, it's not something that is my language, but it's something that's happening out there and I love talking about it's it. It's like not being at the mercy of trends. Yes. Yeah. Just doing what Zigging you would have done. When everyone yeah. else so is zagging. We're talking about trends, but we're saying don't, don't be trendy. Yeah. Don't be trendy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, wait, that's very bad. But I think, to, I think to the point is like, it's a good way just to know what's going on in the yes. world and then pick your yeah. true north. I think of trends as benchmarks. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, they're signposts to say, okay, well, at this time, this was really popular. It's probably coming back. There's a cycle. Um, and using that to guide you like a compass, but not having to be at the mercy of it, of, okay, everyone went over here. I have to run over here now. But being like, okay, this is kind of the flow. This is what the benchmarks are, the milestones and using that to maybe predict what's going to come next. And Love understanding it. that there are, like, troll trends happening. Yeah. Because if you're always chasing the trend, like, you're going to eventually, you're going to be trolled. Yeah. Because, like, mm -hmm. that was our whole conversation. Yeah. Let's make up a trend. I think we have to do it. We're not going to tell people when it is, but we're, I think we have to get creators on board, and we're going to... We're going to troll we're, the public. We're going to punk <laughs> and make a trend, and then we'll make a bazillion dollars, because yes. we'll, we'll, like, we'll do something that's insane. Okay, final comment your speed round something you've seen uh that you think is funny cool it's a must-have buy it's a new feature it's something that you guys if someone was saying tell me one thing i should know about today what do you see for me it's that everything and anything is on amazon that's like the number one like it used to be Oh, you don't have the Bottega? Now it's like, you actually bought the real Bottega when the dupe is on Amazon for $40? What's wrong with you? It's like almost cooler to have the Amazon version of anything, in my opinion, now than like overpaying for the real product. That's the trend I'm starting to see. Like even the fashion it girls that I'm friends with, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you have the new? And she's like, no girl, this is from Amazon. And it's like cooler to say that than to be like, yeah, I have the new. Okay, yeah. that's, I'm, I'm so not cool. I pay extra retail because I'm. Selling. I do too. I'm. I'm. I'm making the change today. I'm though. Okay, today. Coco, what are you seeing? Um, I would say anything that's like androgynous. I think is. I have a prediction. I could be tin hat theory, but brands like Target one day I could see getting rid of the men's and women's section and just having clothes in different sizes because I always think you know you want people who. Maybe there's someone who lives in a small town who wants to try eyeliner, but they'll be ostracized if they go into Sephora with their friends. So making branding more inclusive, more plain. So, you know, they, so people that want to explore and try different things don't feel like they're going to be ostracized socially if they go into the women's section at Target or the men. So I think that androgyny is becoming bigger. Um, and then it opens the doors to, you know, more consumers that, um, you may be only fixated on a certain group. So that's what I think is really trendy right now. And even at Fashion Week, there's a lot of androgynous clothing and makeup. Love and, it. Yeah. Love it. Lizzie, take us home. <laughs> First, I love both of those, especially mm -hmm. the androgyny piece because it is happening. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that is prevalent everywhere in music and how you're presenting mm -hmm. yourself. Um, but on the other side of the spectrum, what we've been seeing a lot is that 
adulting or functionality is actually aspirational. And so things like cleaning products or things like how I can organize my home or like opening my drawer and organize my pantry with me. Yeah. Yeah, so buying things that are functional is now aspirational, which is really strange. But I think it is also our hunger to like get our stuff together and feel like we are connecting with someone who has their stuff together. Um, but even me, like I'll go on to your point, Amazon, and I'll order like dividers for my drawers when I already have some because they look cool. So it's staying organized, saving money, and not being labeled. Um, are like the three trends that we're finding. Very practical. Makes sense. You guys, this has been unbelievable. I. We might have to do this in a two-parter because it's just so much. My mind is blown. Thank you so much for your knowledge, your wisdom, your sense of humor, and your insights. Really fantastic. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard and will come along with us as we navigate this journey to the promised land of the creator economy. Everything is Better with Creators is proud to be part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. Make sure to subscribe or follow our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to audio. And of course, we'd love a rating and review if you get the chance. Special thanks to Coco Moco, Yes Jewels, and listen. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Bilisano for joining us. Make sure to check out more from Whaler and all things at the intersection of talent networks, brand partnerships, technology, and creativity at whaler.com. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. For everything is better with creators, I am Jamie Goodfriend. We'll catch you next time. Everything is Better with Creators is produced by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. Learn more at whaler.com.